Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile. And I know it's hard to believe Mint can be any good for just $15 a month. So let's ask Wasim Iknabi, one of Mint's first customers, if he has any issues with Mint. No, the service has been great. And under my ownership, it's going to get even better. How? No clue. Still $15 a month though, right? Yep. To learn more and see our logo, go to mintmobile.com slash Spotify. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Hey guys, Shelby Harris here from the Denver Broncos. Just want to give a huge shout out to the podcast Orange Weekly. They do great work and they have great content regarding the Broncos. Also, huge, huge shout out to all the Denver Broncos fans out there. You guys have really just made my time in Denver amazing. And also, even when we were losing last year, you guys came out every game. So thank you guys. And I appreciate you. All right. Hello again, Broncos country. And thank you so much for listening into this special pre-draft edition of the Orange Weekly Podcast. I, as always, am Jared. And I'm joined by the post-game podcast uh, director and uh, live entertainment uh, tanner uh here and as you heard earlier uh shelby harris is a big fan of the orange weekly with a little bit of shout out from him and that was the one and only shelby harris uh thank you so much for listening and uh thanks for that shout out man um but before we get into it uh tanner how are you doing so far today i'm doing good jared it's always fun to be on the show talk broncos football i love the draft i'm pumped it's finally here right this this darn off season you know we get all pumped up for free agency that come, comes and goes. Then we have to wait for the draft. Now it's finally here. We can see who the next crop of Broncos are going to be. I'm, I'm really pumped. Absolutely. And, and today we're going to discuss a little bit about different options for the Broncos, especially circling around that number 10 pick. I think that's going to be a lot of our big focus because there's a lot up in the air in the way the Elway's drafted in the past. I, I think nobody really understands what's going to actually happen come Thursday. So all right, before we get into it, go ahead and sit back and relax. Grab a beer. If you're driving, don't grab a beer. It's a bad idea. But uh, we'll, we'll get into it right after this intro music from The Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man. Always got to rock orange. That's the side road. I'm rocking orange, man. Word up. I'll be rocking with the Broncos. All right. Thanks again, Broncos country, for listening in. Please, before we get started, hit that share button, hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, hit the five stars, 10 stars, whatever the max stars is that you can, and uh, give us a like. Also, if you guys want to head over to the Facebook page, we did a live show on uh, Tuesday with uh, Kev Dan, and we also talked a lot about what we're going to talk about here, but go ahead and give that a like as well. Share it with your friends. All right, let's get into it, Tanner. There's a lot to talk about surrounding this draft with the Denver Broncos at number 10. What's your initial thought going into this with all the media hype around it? Ooh, you know, 10 a great spot to be in. It's also a really interesting spot to be in. You know, the Broncos could do a lot of things. They could trade up if they really wanted to. They could trade back. They could stay put. We don't really know what's going to happen. Well, my initial thought is, and, you know, this is something I know we've mentioned many, many times throughout the season is this draft is so defensive heavy with great defensive talent. I think we need to go defense at 10. I think we need to stay put, get some defense. Now, I wouldn't be opposed to moving back as long as we still got, you know, a first-round pick, picked up maybe a second or I don't know some other additional picks, but right. I, I like being at 10. I think somebody's going to fall to 10. That's not supposed to fall. Who? I don't really know. Could be offense, could be defense, but um, I, I got a, my eye on a couple guys on defense for sure. Yeah, we'll get into that. And, and like you said, I mean, last year, Nick Chubb fell to us. Nobody was expecting 
Or, uh, yeah, Bradley, Bradley, Bradley Chubb. Chubb. Sorry, Bradley Chubb fell to us. Nobody was expecting Bradley Chubb no. to fall to us, and nobody was expecting us to pick up an edge rusher when we already had Shane Ray and Von Miller. So, I mean, that's that was just a crazy. Everybody was kind of a little bit confused, but I mean, he fell to us. And what are you going to do if that kind of guy falls to you? No matter no matter what you already have, but um, we'll get into that. I think the biggest part about this and all the speculation and all the confusion on what the Denver Broncos are going to do at number ten comes behind Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio has not been a head coach, so you can't go back and look at maybe some of his past drafts. And if you try to go back at some of Elway's past drafts, it's up in the air. We've talked about that. But the brand new head coach, a brand new coaching staff coming in, a new quarterback in Joe Flacco, who's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and uh, the unknowing of his health, right? He was injured last year. We don't know where his health is coming into this season. And uh, his age, I mean, he's been in the league for a really long time. At at what point do we start looking at getting someone new and uh, trying to groom them? And the fact that, you know, there's a lot of speculation around how Elway can't draft quarterbacks. We've had a really rough time drafting quarterbacks, especially in the first round. And I think there's a lot of ups and downs about drafting in the first round. And um, I'm with you. And a little bit later, we're going to bring on David and he's going to be our our devil's advocate for picking up a quarterback <laughs> in the first round, because neither one of us, I think that a quarterback in the first round is a good idea in any way, shape or form for the Denver Broncos. But David's got some ideas that he wants to throw at us when he comes around. And so we'll get to him a little bit later, but um, outside of the quarterback, let's, let's get to that quarterback talk when David comes on outside of the quarterback talk, what are our biggest needs on, on our team right now? That's a, that's a good question. Cause I think there's a lot of needs, uh, I, th- I think we did a good job in free agency filling some of those needs, but there's some other needs. Uh, let's start offensive, all, on the offensive side of the ball first. Offensive line, we still need some needs. Now, do I want to take a lineman at 10? No, just simply c- because I don't think there's any lineman worthy of the 10 spot in this draft. Now, I will say I am not an offensive line guru when it comes to scouting or anything, but <laughs> from every mock I've seen, I haven't seen too many linemen around the 10 spot, but I do think we can get some good linemen, you know, later in the, in the later rounds, um, tight end. I know we got Jake, Butt and, uh, Jeff Hireman and Troy Fumagalli, but all three of those guys are coming off injuries. Just don't know, especially Jake, Butt. his knees failed him three times. Now you don't know right. how that knee's going to hold up. Got some really good tight ends. Actually, the, top two tight ends from the draft are both from the same school. You don't see that very often. And uh, uh, TJ Hawkinson from Iowa and Noah Fant from Iowa. Hawkinson's the better overall tight end because he can block and catch the ball. Fant's more of a uh, athletic, very quick tight end who has got great right. hands, not the greatest blocker. But both will definitely, in my opinion, be picked in the first round. And Hawkinson might go in the top ten. Now, if he's there at ten, I wouldn't mind the Broncos maybe taking a look at him, depending on who else is available. On the defensive side of the ball, I think uh, D-line is something we can definitely add to, whether that's up the middle in the defensive tackle or get another edge rusher. There's some really good edge rushers in this draft. It's probably the deepest uh, – edge rusher is probably the deepest position in this draft. At least that's oh, what John Elway said today in his press conference. Um and then defensive backs, I don't think that's something we need to look at in the first round unless, I mean, if the Broncos trade back, maybe that's somewhere they look. But, I mean, we got um, Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, and um, did we get another defensive back? Well, we still have Chris Harris Jr. until that gets figured Chris, out. We still have Chris. Um, Isaac Yadam is a young defensive back back there. Yeah. Will Parks, Justin, Ju- Justin Simmons. Simmons. We got some young guys back there. So I don't really think – uh, cornerback or safety is going to be much of a need, at least in the early rounds. But I would say off the top of my head, uh, I think the position they look at at 10 is um, D-tackle, edge rusher, or um, um, tight end. All right. I'm, I'm with you on some of that. I think I think our biggest glaring hole for me is the middle linebacker, inside linebacker position. I think that's just, you know, with the loss of Brandon Marshall going over to the Raiders, I think that was kind of our core as mm-hmm. far as our run defense. Um, I, I just, I think we really need that. And there's some really good inside linebackers in this draft. And at number 10, there's going to be some, I hope one falls to us specifically, but, you know, I hope Devin White falls to us, but yeah. uh then we have Devin Bush as well, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll I'll get into what I like about them a little bit later. We'll go you know position to position, but wh- where do we think where do we think that with Vic Fangio being a defensive minded coach, 
but also bringing in Joe Flacco to try to boost up the offense and knowing that the offenses are downfall. Where do you see him? Where, where do you see his mindset right now when it comes to the draft as being like, do we need to bolster Joe Flacco and get somebody around him to either protect him or someone to throw him the ball, to, throw the ball to, or are we focused on making sure that defense stays dominant and just letting Joe Flacco do what he does? I would go with option two there, and that's just a guess. But I, I think he's going with more of let's get that dominant defense, let's get another good playmaker on D, and then in, in the other rounds we can focus on getting Joe some more help around him. I mean, we, we you know, that's one thing I'm excited about with uh, Joe Flacco is his arm strength. He's always had a great arm. Nobody's ever questioned that. And, you know, hopefully this year we see some more electric down-the-field type of offense. Uh, you know, I think Cortland Sutton's ready for a huge year. Emmanuel Sanders, hopefully he recovers, which I think is uh, rehab and everything's everything's been ahead of schedule from what I've read. So he's on track to make a recovery. Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick. Um, right. But, but one thing why I keep saying tight end is Flacco loved throwing to the tight end in Baltimore. He had Todd Heap for years. Then he had Dennis Pitta. Then he had uh, right. like Benjamin Watson was in Baltimore for a little bit. So he, he looks to the tight end a lot. So that's where I kind of think TJ Hawkinson or, or I, I think that's early for Noah, Noah fan, but TJ Hawkinson right. can fit. But I do think uh, when push comes to shove, um, I'll still be surprised if as long as we stay at 10, if we don't go defensive first. Yeah, and, and I want to visit this tight end situation too because I agree. I think giving him an extra person to throw to, we have a very young receiving core, very young, but played very well last year for what mm-hmm. they were given. And um, I, I think they could be good good targets for Joe Flacco. And and here's my issue, and I'm not a uh, spiritual or I, I don't believe in, in jinxes or anything, but in the same line as quarterbacks, our tight end drafting has been pretty slim the last mm-hmm. few years. I mean, Jake Butt – was what somebody coming out that we were really high on. We really thought he'd be in it. Just, just the injuries haven't been there. And, you know, he's still around. We have, um, Hireman who's still there. And I think he could have really been a big part of that offense. Had the offensive been focused more around throwing to the tight end as well. I think another part of it is we're going to have a new offensive coordinator. So a lot up in the air with that, but picking up a tight end in the first round as, as big and as important as they are. I mean, you can see, you see teams, you know, Travis Kelsey, you see, Rob Gronkowski's you see all these guys changing their team based on that tight end position I could I could see that being a game changer it's just really kind of I'm on edge about that about that sure. idea especially at number 10 you know yeah. what I mean? if, if we were a little bit later if we we're in the 20s the 1920s you know I I'd, I'd think about trying to take a tight end but at number 10 overall there's still so many good impact position players available um that that it, it's hard for me to think that now it that's not saying if we pick up if we do pick up tight end Mm-hmm. at number 10 i'm not going to throw the i'm not throwing my table and yeah. turning it off right <laughs> yeah. I, i'm not there i know yeah. we'll talk about those situations a little bit later too i, I do have a couple situations that i will throw my table but um <laughs> i uh i i don't think the tight end is going to be one of them. i think if we do pick up a tight end i'll kind of you know be like ah it's not really who i wanted but let's see where this goes to see if he can be that game changer that obviously elway and company and that draft room think he can be and the interesting thing about hawkinson because he's been the rated top rate tight end pretty much all across all the mock drafts. Yeah. Is he's a Big Ten guy. We we <laughs> have a love affection with Big Ten tight ends. We Jake do. Butt, Jeff Hyman, even Troy Fumagalli, uh Matt Lacoste, who's not on our team anymore. He was a Big Ten guy. Even yeah. uh oh, what was the kid from Wisconsin? Uh I think his name was Taylor. We cut him in the preseason last year. Another yeah. Big Ten tight end. We just have a love uh, <laughs> affair with these Big Ten tight ends. So so I'm kind of like you. I I don't really believe in the you know, the conspiracy stuff, but I don't know. That's kind of just interesting to think about. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of with you though. I mean, I would be, I'll be all right. If we do take Hawkinson, I'm, I'm high on him. He's one of my top five guys. I'd like to see us take, but I'm kind of also with you where like 10 for a tight end kind of makes me just cringe a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, if we pass up on him, have an opportunity to get him, pass up on him and he turns into the next Gronk or Travis Kelsey, then I'm going to be like, Ah, what could have been? I don't know. Yeah, and that's the fun about drafts, especially the fun about pre-draft and post-draft is the what ifs. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, what if this would have happened? You always see the the clickbaits on all the social media sites where they're talking about um, 
what if we would have drafted the 2014 draft differently? What what teams would have what players if we redrafted based on how they're doing now? You know that, and and that's the fun of it. And I think that's part of what why we do what we do and talk about it. But um, all right, let's get into the meat and bones. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the inside linebackers available and are they going to drop to us? Right, number one inside linebacker overall is Devin um, Devin White, and I think that that is by that is by far probably the best the place for him to be um, the, all the mock drafts I see, there's a few have him falling to us. There's a few that have him falling past us, which I don't see. That um, <laughs> but the, I think the biggest one I see is, is Tampa Bay. Uh, the Buccaneers are the biggest other, the other team in the top 10 that really has had an issue with inside linebacker. And, and let's go back Broncos country. I know you guys all remember. Uh, let's go back to three years ago at Atlanta. They had two running backs that were just, demolishing us as receivers lining up as receivers we kept putting out our inside linebackers on them and they just demolished us and i remember since that game being like wow we really can't cover running backs and every single game after that since that season i remember watching going what are we doing we can't cover uh running backs or even tight ends to save our lives we need that inside linebacker help somebody that can get sideline to sideline someone that can cover and also stay in the middle and stop the rush i think devin white's that guy yeah, I agree. And uh, you brought up some bad memories there. I was at that Atlanta game oh, uh, in person for Paxton's first home start. And yeah, you're it. right. Uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman just did yep. whatever they wanted to to the Broncos. And it was pathetic. It was just absolutely pathetic. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jared. Devin White is my number one guy. I want the Broncos to get if he's available. Unfortunately, in my mock draft, I did on my uh, personal podcast, I do have him going fifth to Tampa Bay, but also yeah. a lot of people forget. And I'm so bad at if they're inside or outside linebackers, so I apologize if if he's outside. But they okay. did pick up uh, Shaq Barrett. Tampa Bay did in the off season, right? Is he outside? Uh, I, I mean, it depends on if they're playing the three okay. four or four three. He's he's more of an inside though. He definitely okay. plays more of the inside. So I wonder if that will have any bearing effect if they go with white or not i did see one mock today had him going sixth to the giants which i hadn't really seen that in any other mock a lot of people have the giants going either quarterback or offensive line uh but if devin white's available i think he's the perfect fit because he not only can be another scary pass rusher along with vaughn and chubb but he's really good in coverage too and that's hard to find yeah uh I, I agree 100%. I, I think that he's by far the best inside linebacker next to another Devin and Devin Bush from Michigan. Um, I think he's also, av- I think he will be available at number 10. I, let, let's go ahead and say that. Yeah. Huh. He will be available at number 10. And in my, any mock draft that I have, if Devin White is gone, I would pick up. And again, this is just little me sitting back here looking at it from a, a bigger picture. I would pick up Devin Bush. I think that he has the ability to do that. The only thing I'm worried about Devin Bush is that he did not run in the combine. So we have no idea what his three cone drill looks like. So for those of you that don't know, for the three cone drill, the three cone drill is basically how fast can a linebacker get from sideline to sideline? How fast can a linebacker or any any player change direction at any given point? That's what the three cone drill tells us. And for me as an inside linebacker, if we're looking for someone for coverage, I need someone that can change his route and change where his positioning is in an instant. And that's what I look for when I'm looking at inside linebackers is that three cone drill. He didn't run it. And neither did any of the, I think the next two inside linebackers that are ranked behind those guys didn't run it. So we really don't know. All we can look at is, is, is his, um, his college tapes. And he obviously played very well. He could play very well in coverage and be that sideline to sideline guy. He is also a little undersized compared to Devin white. So that's another issue. If we, if we are focusing on, you know, stopping the run still, obviously every team still needs to stop that run with that middle linebacker. We need that. So I think there's a lot of things at play here. Um, and the other thing that worries me here is neither one of those got their pre-draft visits to the Denver Broncos. We focus a lot on quarterbacks in that pre-draft visits, which, and we'll get to that in a minute, but, uh, I think a lot of that was a big smoke screen, but, but let's, let's finish up on linebackers. What, what do you think about Devin Bush? What do you think about us? If Devin White's not available, right? He say he gets picked up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, would, would you be okay with picking up Devin Bush the number 10 overall? Yeah, I definitely would. Um, I've watched a lot of him being that I'm a Big Ten football fan and live in Big Ten country. He plays for Mich- played for Michigan, so I've watched a lot of him. Actually, I really – that was one thing that's interesting. He brought up that three-cone drill. I didn't realize he didn't do that during the combine, and I wonder why he didn't do that because that's one thing that stood out to me every time I watched uh, Michigan games is his speed from sideline to sideline. He's 
great at closing into the ball with that speed. He's also, like you mentioned, really good in coverage. So you, you got two inside linebackers that are both really good at coverage, which is really hard to find nowadays, especially for the Broncos because they just can't seem to find one. Uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I, he's another guy I would be happy with. He'd be in my top five players I'd like the Broncos to take if he's available at 10. I I think um, if the Broncos don't take him, I think the Bengals do at 11. I just don't yeah. see him slipping that far. Right, yeah, because the Bengals, and we're actually in a good position too. The Bengals are the other team in the top 15 that need an inside linebacker too. So we just happen to be the second one in that list. And also, we, we talked about this, you know, we over overhype these quarterbacks. People are going to try to trade up these quarterbacks. You know, if the first three if three quarterbacks go in the top 10, there's going to be someone that falls to us. Absolutely. And, and that's what's going to happen. I mean, someone's going to fall to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay not be, might not be able to pass up on, you know, whoever falls, Ed Oliver or, you know, uh, Josh Allen for whatever reason falls to them for some reason, they can't pass that up. They're not, they're not in a position to pass it up. So we might actually get a chance for, for Devin white to fall to us. All right, let's go ahead and get into what everybody on social media is crying about. I mean, talking about, right. We brought in David, David, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. It's good to be here and uh, happy to talk some Broncos football with you guys. Right. So David, you're going to play our devil's advocate today because you had a lot of very good, you had a lot of very good points um, that were completely wrong, but you, I thought were good um, on why the Broncos should take a quarterback or even think about looking at a quarterback in the first round, whether that's, you know, take them at number 10 or trade up and try to get somebody a little bit later in the first round. What is the thought process and why is Bronco country screaming for us to get a quarterback right now? Well, there's a couple of reasons that come first to my mind. And the first is that you have the number 10 overall pick and you probably, you know, the chances of you picking that high or anywhere near that high again in the near future are, you know, hopefully we're all hoping kind of low and franchise quarterback is, uh, you know, has been a hole on this team ever since Peyton Manning left. And honestly, probably for the last couple of years, he was here too. Um, so we're going to have to, at some point, just address that. And I know Broncos fans, myself included, are starting to get a little antsy at this point. You know, we're, st- we're kind of tired of watching veterans kind of come in and, and ply their trade and sort of maybe work out all the way to a nine and seven season. And then, you know, next season we're back down to five and 11 or six and 10 again, because the wheels fall off for the guy. So, you know, it's frustrating to watch that. It's kind of frustrating to just see the futility at the most important position on the field year in and year out, no matter if it's, you know, the last, the last rookie that we tried to draft or the seventh round guy who he couldn't beat out, or, you know, this, that, or the other thing, you right, know, or right. Case Keenum, who we were sold as the solution. And, you know, that didn't pan out well for us either. So I know a lot of Broncos fans are kind of looking at Joe Flacco as maybe just another another Case Keenum, another guy who you're going to run out there and say, this is a franchise guy. This can really, this is a guy who's going to lift up our franchise, but is not going to be a guy who can actually get you where you want to go at the end of the day. So that's really what I'm thinking. Those two those that combination of reasons is more than anything why Broncos fans are a little antsy this year to get after it, even though this quarterback class is not what you would look at and say, this is a really talented class with a lot of guys who are going to be, league changing talents. Absolutely. So counterpoint, I appreciate that Broncos country is frustrated. I am too, right? Since, since we had the issue after Peyton Manning left, we've had what six or seven quarterbacks be our starter, something, something ridiculous might be a little high, but we've had a lot of quarterbacks be our starter. Two of them were first round draft picks that we tried to pick up in uh, Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch, you know, with the Trevor Simeon, nobody knew where he came from, but he played for us for a while. So I get that, that issue, but isn't Broncos country also tired of the quarterback battles? Aren't we also tired of bringing in guys and being like, oh, this guy's going to be our starter. Oh, no, we picked up a top 10 guy. Now we have no idea who's going to be our starter. Are we tired of that? I am. I mean, I guess at, at the end of the day, you know, a battle, though, it is so, so rare for you to hand off the baton from one guy to another. You know, there was Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And there was Peyton Manning and then a gap year in between him and then Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. And that's about as smooth as it gets. Right. Like there's there's I just can't really think of any other quarterback situations for majorly successful teams over the last decade where you didn't have the young guy come in and just kind of go for the jugular and take out the veteran who was already there. Right. Now, 
I understand, certainly it's frustrating to, to watch these battles go on year in and year out, but I think the most frustrating aspect about them when you really dig into it is the fact that there has not been a clear winner who came out with a stranglehold on the job and made Broncos country confident going into the season. All right, we know this is our guy. He, you know, he won fair and square. He was head and shoulders above everybody else in camp this year. He proved it and he's going to go out and show it on the field. That's what I think is the most crucial part of a quarterback battle. It's not so much having the battle is can a guy come out and win it outright and claim that job and never let it go. So are we, if we're looking at drafting a quarterback, are looking at someone that we think is going to be an NFL starter pretty soon? And that's a good question because honestly, I don't know that there's more than one guy in the draft right now, even if there is one. I think Kyler Murray, when you put him into the right system, like Arizona's with the, the air raid offense with Cliff Kingsbury, I think you are going to put him in a position where if he's not uh, – um, you know, he's not lighting up the stat sheet every single week, but he is going to find success. He is going to find a high, you're going to see highlight plays from him all the time. And he's going to be a guy who figures it out because he's in the right system with, you know, not a ton of talent around him, but a coach that knows what he's got in him and knows what he can do. That's what I think you're going to get out of Kyler Murray this year. You're going to see he's not going to fall on his face. Probably a little bit between Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson last year is where I would put. It's just as far as production goes, not to say that he's incredibly similar to either of those quarterbacks because he's different than both of them. Uh, the other quarterback that may have some success this year is Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you know, just as a pure pocket passer, as a guy with a lot of accuracy, that takes you really far in this league. Um, having the timing, having that kind of anticipation with your receivers that you can find them on those routes where they're supposed to be. You know, the phrase make all the throws is one that you hear way too often come draft season, and it doesn't really mean anything. So accuracy, I think, is one of the most important tools for a guy who wants to be successful early in this in this league. Right. Drew Locke, I think, is a guy that, you know, as far as talking about other quarterbacks that may be potentially first-rounders, I think is going to be a guy who needs a year just to get his footwork in a place where he can really, because I think if you throw him out there too early, you're going to get a Paxton Lynch situation with him for whatever team grabs him. Um, Not necessarily to say, because I think Paxton Lynch's biggest problem was between his ears. He just wasn't committed to study. He wasn't committed to learning the the job of quarterback um, to go along with those physical skills that he had, because he had a lot of arm talent. And that's one thing you see with Drew Locke too. He has a ton of arm talent. I just went to this cliche a minute ago, but he can, quote unquote, make all the throws. Uh, but his footwork is a mess. That's really the kind of thing that you that you have to get fixed with him first. And that's huge. Uh, uh, you know, your whole lo- your lower body is almost as important as your upper body when making a throw in the NFL. And that's what I think, you know, at least a year to get his footwork right, if nothing else, uh, for Drew Locke to be a successful starting quarterback. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this over to you, Tanner. I have some questions because I, you, you've seen both Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins play live. Um, are we overvaluing these two quarterbacks for being able to make every throw and be that guy? I mean, I don't even think they were probably the top five quarterbacks in the in the college football last year. Uh, I think Haskins was. Um, I mean, he was one of the three guys invited to the Heisman Trophy um, ceremony, but also it helps when you play for Ohio State and you get that. Right national television exposure and the name recognition. Um, I will say after I saw both of them play live, I came away more impressed with Drew Locke after that game than Haskins. Now, since then I've, you know, went back on that and I would rather, if the Broncos had to take one of those two, I'd rather have Haskins than Locke because as David was mentioning, I think Haskins more ready right now to start than Locke because I agree Locke's footwork just isn't good. He's got a few accuracy issues, even though he has a great arm. Um, and, and Haskins, while he's not a mobile quarterback, he's a great pocket passer. Um, but, no, I think those two were two of the top quarterbacks. But yet, when you're talking top five, a lot of them are the quarterbacks you'll see coming out next year. That's Jake Rob, Justin Herbert, and uh, Tua. I mean, th- those three were pretty darn good. So that's one reason I don't want to hit on quarterback. I would rather wait till next year, but at the same time, hopefully we're good enough this year that we're not we're getting not top 10. in the top 10. So right. it's, it's just what makes the draft fun. These right. And, and that's, that's my only problem. And I think that's, that's my biggest one. So, so, and I'll get this into this in a big picture thing. What do you, how long does Joe Flacco have 
uh, in his career. I think he's going to finish his career here in Denver. Uh, how long do you think he has left in his career? Uh, what's his contract? Three more years? Four more years? Yep. Three, more, three more years? I think I, it's a three-year. I would say, if I had to say right now, I think he finishes that contract in Denver. And then he's done? Okay, David, what do you think? Yeah, yeah I agree. And, uh, you know, if, if he my, – my gut instinct is two years – uh, maybe that's just I'm a little snake bitten by how many quarterbacks have come and gone in the last last few years for the Broncos. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my, especially, and that's to me is the most interesting thing about Joe Flacco's contract. To me, says this is an option for right this minute. Right. This as far, you know, Elway can come out and tell me as much as we want. Uh, you know, Joe Flacco's in his prime. Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl. Look at all the wins. And that's great. But a guy with no guaranteed money left on his contract playing yeah. at the quarterback position, that tells me don't get too comfortable because as soon as we see somebody who's going to be better for us in the long term or even in the in the very short term, we're going to go and snatch that guy up. So that to me at least says in the next couple of years, the Broncos are going to be revisiting the quarterback position in some form or another. Uh, but I do think we'll probably get, I think Joe Flacco could surprise this year. He may be, I don't want to know. I don't want to, you know, my, at the peak, I think he's candidate for comeback player of the year. That's my best season that I see for Joe Flacco. Okay. So, you know, I don't think it could be, you know, I've come a long way since we picked him up. I don't think it's a dismal, pick up. I don't think the quarterback situation is as bad talent wise as what we had last year or the year before that. But I don't know that we're going to see him completely finish his deal. If for no other reason than quarterbacks and you know, Joe Flacco has been among the most injured, you know, when they're done, they're done. We saw right. with Peyton Manning, mm -hmm. they fall off that cliff immediately. Yep. So, okay. So let's, let's play with this. This is, I, you, you, you fed right into me. I appreciate both you guys. We have him for three years, right? We have this guy. We have Joe Flacco for three years. He wins comeback player of the year next year because we're all Broncos fans, and that's what we want. We want him to throw 150 touchdowns to all of our receivers and and uh, and win us the Super Bowl. He wins comeback player of the year next year. Now, is it okay that we say, okay, now let's get the guy that can sit behind him for a year, right? We talked When you look at the quarterbacks that are out there, the big top quarterbacks, right? Um, Andrew Luck was a, a first-round starter, but let, let's go Aaron Rodgers. Let's go uh, – Patrick Mahomes, right? Some of these guys sat behind quarterbacks for one year or two years and then got their time to play because they were only back there for one year. I'm also still burnt at the whole Brock Osweiler situation. All right. <laughs> I'll cry. I'll tell you, I'll cry at the Brock Osweiler situation. He sat back there for three years. We thought he was going to be our future. And then he up and ran for the money because of, he thought it, something was better and it left us in the dirt. If we get and a quarterback in this yeah. year and we have Joe Flacco for three it puts us into a weird bind in three years when we're ready for that rookie contract to be up. I mean, sort of. I just, I guess you kind of, it's it's the kind of situation where if you've got a guy back there who's who you think is really ready to take that baton, you just kind of deal with it because you ra you'd rather have another starting quarterback waiting in the wings and you, you'll, you'll accept the cost for what it is, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the top three quarterbacks for next year as of right now, or if, if the Broncos had a chance to get one of those three, too good to pass up, in my opinion. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. for the future. So, yeah, it's it's a unique situation. But even if Flacco has a great year, wins comeback player of the year, if we can snag one of those three guys, have him set for a year or two, then be the guy, I think that would be the right way to go. And, 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 and that's, that's all I want. One of the arguments as, as far as getting a quarterback this year is that just, you know, next year's class is the better class from what we can tell now, but how much draft capital are you going to have to give up to move up from, you oh, know, sure. let's say 15th or the range of 15 to, you know, number five, you're going to have, you're talking about maybe two or three first round picks to get back up right. there. So it's just the kind of thing where, you know, obviously if you've got a guy that you're in love with and he pans out, that's worth it. And we've seen that no matter, yeah. you know, the cost is not too high. If you get your next franchise guy, that's just the question. And at this point, who knows what what who's um, evaluating quarterbacks in the Broncos draft room right now. But hopefully it's a different guy than the guy who's been doing it for the last decade. <laughs> that's a that's the truest thing we've said on this podcast ever. I think that's oh, a yeah. that's so fact. All right. All right. This quarterback talk. First round quarterback. Number 10 overall is making me sick. Let's go ahead and move on. Um <laughs> 
what what are our options as far as trading out of it? We right. So David, before you got here, we talked about linebackers. We talked about trying to get Devin White and Devin Bush. We talked about the possibility of getting a tight end out of Iowa. Uh, what was the name? House TJ Hawkinson. Hawk, Hawkinson, right? So we talked about that. We talked about our bad luck with tight ends in the first round. Um, and we talked about where kind of our glaring holes are. Let's go ahead and talk about what are the realities slash what are we going to try to get out of trading out of that number 10 spot and getting it, you know, maybe push back to somewhere in the twenties. What, what are the realities and, and what is our motivation to do that? Well, and it all depends on who's looking to trade and how far back they want us to go. Um, if it's a team, you know, a perennial playoff team like Los Angeles or somebody like that, the Rams who, um, you know, we expect them to be back in the playoffs next year. And so their pick is going to be pretty low. You right. have to get at least a first round pick in exchange for that number 10 overall pick, I think, to make it worth your while. And I think that may hold true for, let's say, anybody who wants to go as far as from 20 to 10. I think you have to get first round value from that in order to trade back that far. Uh, Outside of that, you know, somebody who's only looking to move up two or three spots, you may only get a couple of second round picks. Uh, But that's something I think the Broncos would have to consider if they get that first round pick. Um, you guys may have talked about this earlier, but next year, if you are looking to draft a quarterback and you want some ammunition to move up, having an extra first round pick, even if it's a low one, is going to help you tremendously. Absolutely. And and, and Tanner, for, for this moving up concept, are we uh, do we have to reevaluate now everything that we talked about trying to get number 10? We have to reevaluate what our needs are right now. Now, as it is no longer best player available. Cause after I'd say after about probably the top 10, top 15 players, it's kind of up in the air. It's kind of a random, you know, whoever scouts the best scouts, the best kind of thing. So uh, are we, are we now focusing more on our, on what we need or are we kind of still trying to play the best fit for our team game? I would say um, it just kind of depends how far we'd fall back. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, if we get into the twenties, it would be who fits our team the best simply yeah. comes down to that. Uh, one team I will say I heard on Twitter today, you know, it's so hard to know what to believe and what not to believe right now. There's <laughs> smoke getting thrown out there that the Redskins are looking to move up from 15. And that'd be interesting. Cause that would be only dropping back five spots. The Redskins probably won't be that good next year. So if you can get, I don't know if they'd throw in another, they probably wouldn't throw in a first round for next, next year's year, first round. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be nice. Because they would probably suck, and maybe we could. That's how we, we get in the top ten. <laughs> Bruce uh, Allen is absolutely one of the worst GMs in oh, the entire awful. league. So it's possible. I think you know if anybody's going to get bilked out of a first round pick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, if there's uh, you know, if there's quarterbacks that are sliding, Washington. I mean, right now they're stuck with either Case Keenum or Colt McCoy. They might see one of those guys, uh, whether it's you know. Uh, Haskins or Locke or maybe even Daniel Jones if they like him and say, hey, we got to move up. We got to get our guy now. So that might be a team to watch for. Uh, Other than that, I don't see any of those other teams being quarterback needy teams that might want to move up. Miami's at 13. I don't really see them sliding three spots up. Maybe. But but I think the farther we go back, it's just going to be team needs. But I think there'll be some good defensive backs back there. Now, I'm not in favor of getting a defensive back in the first round, but that will be interesting, especially after uh, John's comments about Chris Harris today. Yeah, so I'm, uh, let's get into that here in a minute. Uh, I just wanted to mention, too, real quick about uh, if we do trade back, right? I think the biggest, if, if for whatever reason someone like Washington or someone like uh, another team that needs a quarterback trades up for that, uh, that is an evil genius move by John Elway because of the way that he brought everybody in for their pre-draft visits and all the quarterbacks that he brought in and is talking high on and telling everybody, Hey, he loves Drew Locke and how he, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Von Miller are best buddies now and hanging out on the weekends. You know, these kind of things are that evil genius that gets people to trade up, especially guys like Washington. And if we can get that first round pick for next year, we're definitely going to get our quarterback because everybody knows Washington's going to blow next year. So, (laughs) so, uh, I think that that'd be an evil genius move. Now, whether that all plays out, it might just be kind of like one of those, you know, house of cards kind of games where if it works, it works. If it doesn't, right, we just kind of move on and and pick what we can. But let's go ahead. Okay, you mentioned it, and I'm going to get all heated here. We talked about the Chris Harris contract, and this is a pre-draft, so we're talking about the draft about this, right? Chris Harris's contract is up. Chris Harris has been pretty vocal about, hey, 
I'm not getting paid for as much as I'm you I'm worth. And and I agree. I 100% agree. You guys agree like Chris Harris probably not getting paid when you see, right? Oh yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. So so he's saying he wants more money. Everyone in Broncos country is saying pay that man. He's by far my favorite player on the team. Has been for a few years now. He was one of my uh one of my jerseys that I have. Mm-hmm. And he is wanting more money and everyone's saying let's do it. So now John Elway comes out today uh during his press conference and it makes kind of a, a, a discussion point that I think he talked a little bit too much on talking about, you know, we'll revisit it after the draft. Uh, but that's not saying it's going to get done basically is what he said. And that's frustrating for me. We talked earlier at the very beginning of the podcast. I said something about their situations that would make me flip my table. This is one of them. <laughs> we trade back to whoever, I don't care who it is. And if we pick up someone like greedy Williams in the first round, I will flip my table. Because that means we no longer have faith in Chris Harrison. He's he's expendable, and we're going to try to get rid of him to save the money. And I'm going to freak out because now Akeem Talib and Chris Harris both being gone is just something that Broncos country does not need. And I think Chris Harris is one of the the best Broncos that we have, you know, through and through a, a Denver Bronco. And I think he needs to stay. That is a situation that I will freak out about. Is if we trade back and pick up one of these top corners, that just basically is telling Chris Harris to go put it somewhere I'm not going to say on this podcast. <laughs> it's a family show. It's a- <laughs> and, uh, I, I think you're totally right about that, especially if, you know, I think John Elway, unfortunately, I don't know if he got himself into a bind this year. I don't know if I would say that necessarily because I don't know what the salary cap, you know, I mean, I know what the, well, what our salary cap space is, but I don't have any idea how you manipulate the salary cap because you can do all kinds of things. But I know we're a little strapped for cash right now, and I am also pretty sure that one of the, at least one of the free agent contracts, I believe the Bryce Callahan contract, his money really kicks in next year. Um, you know, his base salary for this season is like three or four million dollars, and then next season Bryce Callahan's will, uh, contract will jump up to the ten or eleven million dollar range. And these are rough numbers, so I'm not, you know, quoting exactly. But I am wondering what our cap situation is going to be next year, and if that's something that Elway just doesn't want to come out and say that I, you know, we just plain do not have the money to do it, especially when he used that money to sign a guy like Bryce Callahan, who, you know, his best uh, pro comparison right now might be Chris Harris. So right. that's one, and especially if I'm Chris Harris, that's one thing I'm looking at really hard. You just went out and signed this guy to do the things that I do also. Are you, is there going to be any room for me on this roster next year? Right. And and I don't think, I don't think right now, the way that they put it, the way the, they went out and get those two corners, I think that was to go out and say, Hey, we believe in you. We know that you did well and that you needed help on the other side. I mm. think that's what mm. that move was a hundred percent. It was, Hey, we realized that there was a glaring hole in our defense and that was our DBs outside of Chris Harris jr. And Hey man, let me get you some help back there to fix it up. And, you know, I mean, he was super happy to get the Bryce Callahan signing because he goes, man, this one, two punch is going to be great. But let's remember that there's two to sometimes four corners on the field at all times. So mm-hmm. we, we have that, we have that going for us. Um, if we did pick up someone in the draft though, that's a different story. That's a different story. That's saying that's basically doing what we did to keep to being like, Hey man, we got these young guys and you're not so young anymore and we don't want you. You know, that's basically what that says if they do it. And that's on Thursday, that's going to cause a huge drama that, you know, Broncos country has enough drama as it is inside and outside that locker room. <laughs> Let's not bring some more in. T- Tanner, what do you think? No, I agree with everything you guys both said. Um, you know, I, I just want to see us take care of our own for once, if right. that makes sense. Like, get this guy the money he's deserving of. Get him locked up to be a Bronco for the rest of his career. He's going to be arena arena famer. Heck, I mean – a couple more good years, maybe he's a potential Hall of Famer. I mean, he's a pretty yeah. darn good corner. Uh, I just want to see John take care of one of our own for once. And, uh, and I'm a big John Elway fan, but like we were talking before we started recording, Jared, if Elway just would have said, just kept it as I'm too busy right now, I'm focusing on the draft, I haven't put a lot of thought in it, we'll you know, visit that after the draft. Stop talking right there. Hands right. are clean, but he has to go make that statement just because we're going to talk doesn't mean we're going to do it. Now you just brought a bunch of drama, you know, and Chris Harris, I'm, I'm right there with you, Jared. He's my favorite player in the team. I love the way he plays. I like his underdog mentality, but with that mentality, he's a little stubborn, especially on uh, social media. I'm just waiting for him to tweet something. I've been yeah. watching Twitter all day. I haven't seen anything, but I think he's got his heels dug in now. Elway's got his heels dug in now. We could be in for a drama-filled um, 
summer with those two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the only and, and talking about that, the only person that we've really kept as our own is Vaughn. Vaughn was the last one that we really and in in most recent memory, I can't think of anybody else that we really like, you know, drafted and then kept for the long term because they deserve to get paid. It's been a while. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, even Demarius, I mean, last yeah. year we let him go. Emmanuel, we'll have to see come next year. Derek Wolf, same thing. We'll have to see. But yeah, you're right. Vaughn's really been the only one. Yeah, and, and even that was a fight. I mean, you literally had the Super Bowl MVP and, you know, coming off some of his greatest years and we had to fight for him to get his money. So I, I you're right. And, and you know, obviously I'm a Bronco through and through, a bleed orange, uh, but something that I respect from other teams to include people like the Green Bay Packers. There's something that Green Bay Packers do really well is they draft and they take care of their own. And that's something that we haven't seen in a while. And I get it's a business, right? It's a business. People are going to not be happy with what that what happens people are going to get traded i get it but when we have a chance to and on on the point of the of the cap we have we do have the cap space next year unless he plans on giving joe flacco some crazy you know bonus for being the comeback yeah. player of the year but whatever that whatever we decide to do we have the money right now if, if you if you forecast that we have the money to get him paid at least just as a top five corner right now and he's not even get paid that and i get it i get that it's a business but I, I'm a, I, you know what? That's the best thing. We need to take care of our own. We haven't done it. Elway hasn't done it in a while, and we need to get that taken care of. All right. So I mentioned um, my. You know, I, I just want to get back to the draft a little bit. I mentioned my uh, worst case scenario for that corner. What are your guys' worst case scenario? What would happen to make you guys flip your lid on draft day? You know, there's there's going to be uh, chips thrown around. There's going to be dip everywhere. What what would make you guys freak out the most in draft day? First, uh, I mean, the biggest thing would have to be not just drafting a quarterback, but trading up and drafting a quarterback. Trading, uh, you know, I heard today the Jets are looking out, looking to get out of the three position. So that would give me nightmares if we gave up a couple of first round picks to move up to number three and then draft somebody like Drew Locke. um, I just. That'd be that'd be it. For, you know, that'd be remote through the television screen level of anger for me. Just talking about it, I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, didn't feel good to say. <laughs> what about you, Tanner? Yeah, I was just gonna say drafting Drew Lock. Period. Whether it's at ten or <laughs> you move it back to get him, move him. I don't know. I you know there was one point in September when I saw him play. I was like, man, he's the real deal. I could see him and orange and blue next year. And then the more I saw him play this year, I've seen his interviews tape. I just, I don't want him. Reminds me just too much of Paxton Lynch. And I was really happy when we got Paxton Lynch. I got burned by that. I have a t-shirt of his still in my closet. I need to literally burn, uh, <laughs> but no, if, you gotta it, get rid of that, man. I, I know, I know if, if we get locked, uh, I'll be punching a hole through the wall, flipping the table, doing something, but especially like David said, if we trade up and do that, Oh my God. Oh man. So this is, I, it seems like this, this, uh, whole thing for us is a fool me once, uh, shame <laughs> right. on you fool yeah. me twice. Shame on. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I, I think that that's basically, uh, what this is coming down to and, and, you know, Broncos country with as much history as we have, especially with in the Elway era, we've had very good draft classes last year. We had a very great draft class. I think last year we did very well. Uh, and, and like we talked about, you know, Chubb fell to us and that was one of those that, why is he falling to us? I don't care. We just need to pick him up. Like it's didn't even, didn't uh, even bring him in for a, a visit. Right. I mean, that was a, he fell yeah. to us. Obviously he's the best player on the board. There's no way we're passing that up. So, and, and going back to this comes full circle, going back to the very beginning, that's probably what's going to happen to us at number 10. Someone's going to fall. Someone's going to be stupid enough to trade up to the jets for, uh, you know, Haskins or, or, uh, drew lock. Um, definitely again, hope it's a little, not us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and you know what? You gonna... literally never know what the Raiders are going to do. You just, right. Especially now with John Gruden back in the driver's seat, you just do not know. They and, could, you know, they could do something completely head scratching. And throwing a curveball like there's some smoke screens out there. What if the Arizona takes Bosa number one instead of Kyler? Right. And all of a sudden, it's right. like anything's up in the air. So. Right, and then now the Jets. Yeah, I mean, are if Arizona does not take Kyler Murray in the first pick, pandemonium. Yep, pandemonium oh, in that room. And I've been saying it since the beginning. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think they're also throwing up smoke screens to try to get someone traded back. Because with Cliff, Cliff, if Cliff Clingsbury is coming in there and saying that he doesn't think Josh Rosen can do what he can do in, in his system, I think that, that's crazy to think. That's it's unreal to think that Josh Rosen can't do 
be a quarterback in that system that Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury has. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. And I think he's waiting for someone to offer him something that's going to be like the Raiders to offer him something absolutely ridiculous and uh, take it. Is it bad? I want to see Cliff crash and burn in Arizona. I just, <laughs> I, just I don't know. You know, he was very average that Texas tech gets fired and then he gets an NFL job. I just, oh, yeah. I don't like how he carries himself. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not rooting for him. Well, that whole that whole franchise, and we could do a whole other podcast on that's, that. That whole franchise true. is just a, is turning you into know, a and that's, fire. I'm with you, Tanner, but just because of how the the really, I mean, the just raw, the rawest of the raw deals that they gave to Steve Wilkes in Arizona right. last year. Oh, I get yeah, the, wow. the the team never looked good, but he had almost. I mean, you can make the argument he had the least talented roster oh, yeah. in the entire league, and Absolutely. you give him one year. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know they, the fact that they didn't go winless, I thought was really impressive. Yep. But yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of t- a lot of players on that team that I respect, but as far as the front office and that team, they're just they. I, I think what happened was they took everybody from that used to be in Cleveland the last ten years, and they moved them to Arizona to, for the warmer weather, and uh, yeah. now they're running yeah. the Arizona Cardinals because that's what it looks like. I mean, they trade they got rid of their coach, Oof. got the got Wilkes in, traded all their best players, and then it was like, oh, why didn't you do well? Like what? course yeah. not mm-hmm. and, and they're stubbornly the- holding on to patrick peterson like that's going to be something that yep. they're going to get get uh get value for i you know yeah and now they got good old vance as their defensive coordinator watch oh, out yes watch oh, out that's right the vj34 <laughs> is coming to phoenix <laughs> it's going to be so easy to pick apart now that we know <laughs> all right uh is there any is there any last things you guys have to say uh, you know i think we we did delve pretty far in the draft different options for us different options that'll make us puke in our mouth uh david don't ever say that again um <laughs> and uh any any i hope i don't have to yet? jared i hope i don't have to do you guys have any closing remarks before we uh, close out the podcast? Let's get somebody at defense at 10. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right. David? Don't don't believe anything you hear over the next 48 hours. Literally all of it is bull crap. Just including plug what your we ears say. and wait for Thursday night. 100% including what we say. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Yeah. Us most of all. Yeah, put us at the top of the list to completely yeah. ignore what we say. No, but uh, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition. Hey, we're going to have another one coming at you after the draft, kind of break down who we have and what we think about what happened during the draft. And uh, as always, make sure you guys are going onto our Facebook page, kind of the starter of the whole thing for Orange Weekly as we do our Broncos beer and no BS on Today, this Tuesday, as well as next Tuesday, we'll be doing a pre and post draft show. So make sure you guys are go checking those out. And uh, yeah, thanks again, guys, for joining us. It's been great. And as we always sign it off with a go Broncos, go Broncos. Go Broncos.